0: My name is Max.
1: My name is Travis Sintel. I'm Yuri Lowenthal, and you are awaited. I'm going to make you do that one of these times. I don't do it. Yeah, you have to, yeah.
0: I don't do it. You have a gravitas to your voice that is impressive. I'm not a voiceover artist. I am a nasally... (laughs) youth. We have a guest today, everybody. Um, I'm going to introduce him. This is our first time. This is our first guest episode. This is our first guest.
2: So honored.
0: (laughs) We debated how to do this before rolling, uh, and we decided, I think, that this will be a bonus episode, not in the main line of the other. uh, uh, (laughs) It
2: took one look. Yeah. at me and thought, this guy's not, well, he's curious. not <laughs> We can't put this in the actual episode. You're right, yeah. we can't put this guy Man, in the main this event. Train wreck <laughs> waiting to happen. Exactly. So
0: if the train wreck happens, it's, uh, this is bushly. It's, it's predicted. Um, I'd like to introduce I think my you should. writing partner. it's my writing partner, Kalen Egan. Uh, best known for being one of the co-executive producers of Man of the High Castle on Amazon.
2: (laughs) Wow, nobody knows that.
1: That's not not true. Everybody I talk to loves that show.
2: Well, they love the show, but my association with it is all deep. you
1: got to say is that, but, that it's your show.
2: Thank you very much. It is my show, and I feel very proud of it. Yeah. You I'm glad that people are responding so well.
0: Yeah, he's had a lot to do with this thing. Yeah. He did give notes yeah. on
2: episodes. In the no, episode. no, I oh, I was in there. I yeah. was in there. So own that shit. I own it. Yeah. You're right. Start over. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is my friend, Kaelin Egan, who's the Rufus only Rufus executive. Rufus father. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but but Kalen has a, a deep film knowledge and appreciation, and we write scripts together, um, a lot of them based on Philip K. Dick material, which I thought made him a good first guest, because I think there is an audience crossover between Philip K. Dick appreciation and George Miller
1: appreciation. Dystopian future. Dystopian totally. future. Dystopian.
2: Uh, how's it going, Kalen? It's going really good. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for, for letting me come in here and crash your... Crash your party!
1: You know I think we should just let him do is the rest anybody... of the
2: podcast. <laughs> I'll show think, a good yeah.
1: start. We're killing
2: it. Take it away, Kayla. All right. Uh, no, really, thank you. This is going to be super fun. I thought this was this I I thought this was the best movie of last year.
1: Um, as did many of the Academy voters. Well, I was, well, I, was talking,
2: Crazy, I had a friend right? who said that it was like the the fact that it was nominated is like in Monopoly when you get a bank error in your favor. Because yeah. It makes no sense yeah. that it's this right. movie right. cracked through that level of prestige. It's it's like a total fluke and it has to do with, you know, our stupid comic book culture right now where people are I guess overemphasizing the, guess. the genre stuff. But it's like this is the payoff that everybody wanted when Dark Knight didn't get nominated, but right. now it's
1: just like, this is the one that but, made it? That's well, But I amazing. feel that this is more deserving Far than Dark more. Far more. Oh, you for know, sure. Easily.
0: And, and I like it... the Dark Knight. Caelan didn't, but no, no, I No, think... I like,
1: no, 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 I like it. It okay. just,
2: it should have never been nominated for Best Picture. Agreed, but yeah. but the fact that this should be and mm-hmm. also rides the wind of that phenomenon, you know, is, is unbelievable. Did it just and, hit a and,
0: sweet spot? Is that why?
1: I, I honestly could not tell you. Huh. I, You know, because it's not... It's not. It's unlike any of the other films that are nominated, and unlike any films that are normally nominated ever in the history know any, of the Oscars. I don't know any. movie
2: like this that's ever been nominated for a Best Picture.
1: Well, and genre movies in particular, and this year we've got The Martian as well, Best Comedy, best comedy? Sure. which still, yeah. still, Hilarious. I can't even. Yeah, yeah. I can't even. So funny. Yeah, Matt Damon. Um, and, funny. and we're we're coming off the weekend a crushed by Deadpool. Yeah. So, sure. So think. of, I mean. Is this does this represent a larger shift in or is it or is it a fluke? I think this I I mean listen I don't know how the academy
0: really works on its on its inner levels,
1: but I do think. I, but 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 I but I expect that it's a bunch of dudes in hoods and robes. You're and describing and the chanting. <laughs> oh, okay, that's okay. a different organization. Okay, okay. Uh,
0: I do think, which listen, demographically, <laughs> right. yeah. probably a, a, a right. severe overlap. I I think that uh, not to side with James Gunn on on things, uh, but he wrote this sort of essay to, that came out today that basically said people are taking the wrong lessons from deadpool they're going to now they're going to have more um, ironic quippy r-rated superhero movies and that's the wrong lesson to take away from it because Absolutely. people like deadpool cuz it's original and you shouldn't do it again and people liked guardians because it was original and yell is like soundtrack blasting quippy Movies being pitched, right. and it, because that's not why that movie's good, or that's not why people like it at least. People like it because it, it felt different and original. And I think there's something about Mad Max that at least feels different or, or original or, or smarter than other movies that, that are out around the same time. And I wonder if that's maybe what people respond to, and the genre it, way into the question might be the wrong way into it.
2: Well, it's all, of the, above, all of the above. I mean, the, it's undeniable in that it's so masterfully made and assembled and put together and just on a craft level i think that they would they, you can't help but appreciate it but i don't think it gets in unless they've you know rattled the bars of the cage for so long yeah. on these sort of semi-unrelated in my mind movies um, that that's how it kind of makes its way in there because it's not even the weird thing is it's not even that successful comparatively it's not like it's in on the merits of commercial success right that's what makes it great, though, because oh, Dark Knight, totally.
0: I was like, okay, it made a bajillion dollars, okay, they wanted some sort of mainstream crossover, and people liked it enough to do that, mm-hmm. they respect Chris Nolan, but this one, yeah, it wasn't, What didn't kill the box office. Yeah. It did fine. It, it People yeah. know it,
1: certainly. And, and I would say there are a lot of people out there that would, that would argue against the fact that it is undeniably a masterfully made movie. You know, a lot of people said it was, it was bullshit, you know, and then that it was just one long chase, action movie, no story, um, the, the main character isn't even the main character, you know, yeah. the title character isn't even the main character. I mean, right. and they, they, they hit down this list and, you know, I, I don't Here, agree with them on any yeah, of those well, here's, points. Here's a but... question for
0: you guys. So uh, like if I talk to a smart, uh, Republican, I, I leave those conversations thinking, okay, I disagree with you, but I think you've made some valid points and I right. understand what you're saying. If someone says they hate Mad Max because it has no story or no character development, are they just wrong? Or is that any validity to the They're that wrong. Concern?
2: they're wrong but but i guess maybe this is a, a way from for me to to provide sort of an introduction for myself is that you know i've I loved i've loved movies my whole life i remember you know wanting to make movies and come to live in la um since i was you know five years old like that's yeah. really when i started passionately determining who makes these and how do you how do you become that thing and, and uh i remember i didn't see road warrior until maybe early in high school and it was part of this kind of pack of '80s action movies that I had no real co- connection to. Yeah. And even when I watched it, I was sort of like, my, like I had friends who were like, "Yeah, The Road Warrior is one of the best films ever made." And I watched it, and I was like, "I guess, like, it's pretty cool. It's kind of weird, and it's sort of Australian. And I like that about it." But I'd, I was into like, you know, Pulp Fiction and weir- and you know, stuff yeah. that was sort of '90s indie stuff. And then eventually, I, I started getting really into like silent film and silent comedy and and all these other foreign movies and and other kinds of films that by the time and and attitude run warrior a couple of times since then and and fallen in love with george miller through other weird stuff like babe two yeah babe two big in, in the city which i think is un- amazing and we should yeah, talk and, more and about super
1: dark we'll, we we will we should absolutely talk
2: about yeah that. super super dark but also just so the, the well whatever we'll get to yeah. that but, but <laughs> then i got to so then i was like okay well, this guy george miller is pretty interesting And then when Fury Road came along, I was really pumped for it because, you know, I had all this sort of armor or or back catalog of information and had grown to respect uh, Road Warrior. But then seeing this thing, it really felt like I wouldn't have loved it as deeply if I didn't have that amount of cinematic knowledge. Like it Mm -hmm. feels very mature to me, extraordinarily mature. And the statement of a late master it's like his ron or something you know it's like it's it's really does everything that he's good at but but in a in a very sophisticated way and i think people who i mean you can like mad max no matter what you can like fury road no matter what but but my appreciation for it feels very informed by a lot of knowledge and history and cinematic sort of preparation i Um, would
0: argue that uh that i have not that. I don't have that. I had no background with George Miller. I had no background with Mad Max and don't have a deep background in film knowledge. I have a really deep background in literature and books. That's kind of my background. Mm-hmm. I, I, my appreciation for this film came from the sense that you could pull on a thread and the sweater wouldn't unravel like with Star Wars which we can talk about if you want. Right, but right. but but I sense that everything I did think deeply about, and it's, it's, it's idiosyncrasies and it's minutiae that were personal to me the first time I saw it, that if I spent five minutes thinking deeply about any element of the film, it rewarded me for doing so. And that indicated to me as a novice viewer and a novice filmgoer that the entire movie might actually hold up to such level of scrutiny, which it has proved to do over the course of this podcast.
2: But you're not a novice when it comes to art and Thinking about things and appreciation, of, you know, a sort of deeper appreciation of especially narrative and storytelling and, and all these sort of different uh, right. elements. I mean, for me, it's a question of maturity, I mean, honestly. And and I, there so, are people who don't spend, and this is not a knock on people necessarily, but who don't devote their lives to communicating artistically or narratively or with stories or film or whatever. You and I both have, whether, I mean, I know more, I've seen more movies than you, yeah. and, and, and you're, you're a, same the same
0: but Well, yeah, we are kind of a specific demographic but I, th- I
2: do think yeah. that it takes a certain kind of uh, kind of I don't know experience or understanding to approach this movie and get it for all it's worth I mean like it, it somebody who comes to this and is like it's just a chase it is yeah it yeah. is that's totally a pl- true on a plot and if that inherently is uninteresting to them it's because they think that there's a chase movie doesn't mean you know that right. that's the that's the end of the conversation right, right. Um but I, I don't know, I mean, when I, for whatever, whatever you've sort of accumulated in your life to, to bring to this, I feel like, I, you know, it's a lot of, like, I, I wouldn't like this movie as much if I didn't know as much as I knew now about Buster Keaton. Yeah. You know, and, like, now that yeah. I do, that's a really fun thing to draw back on and reflect on how that works and how this evolves that, which is, mm-hmm. it's basically the evolution of
1: what the silent general. film could have offered us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: That's super interesting to me. And I should
1: watch The General almost as a, you know, rather than, you know, picking a movie that was inspired by George Miller Mad Max and post-apocalyptic Australian movies, maybe one that informed, that clearly, it's very clearly informed. I love that idea, actually. And there's, there's, I saw um,
0: Javier Bardem and, you may have been there, and Sean Penn do a Q&A after that movie, Beautiful, that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean Penn said, I'm not involved with this film at all. I wanted to come moderate this panel because I wanted to remind people that film as a medium is very, very young. It took you know, two centuries before novels figured out what they were. They were first a collection of letters to people they compiled into a narrative, and then it was journal entries. And then, and then they became this initial third-person narrator, and we started talking about what books are today. It took centuries to figure out what a book was, what it was supposed right. to look like. He goes, Films are super new, and we should right. look at different ways of telling stories on the celluloid. And I and I feel like this silent silent movie uh, yeah. idea is really really cool to me because it is a different path almost to how you might want to tell a story on film. It feels different and yet recognizable.
1: And why? Anyway. And why I'm so eager to see the monochrome, oh, yeah, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, the yeah the black and white cut of this, which apparently now I know, I know it. I've heard many different stories about what it is and what it's going to be. But I also heard it's a silent film. Like, there's, he cuts the dialogue out. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, if he cuts it down, or if he takes it out completely and just leaves music. Um, I th- I still think that the movie would hold up, and I'm really excited to see it that way.
2: Well, and I have, and I, me too. I'm dying yeah, to see it I that. Would way. I would think... go to the
1: theater and pay my 16 bucks or whatever to go I mean, see that. It, I pay up to 21. The f- <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm not
0: fucking wow. around, you guys.
2: <laughs> I mean, the movie effectively does that already you know I mean the 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 black and white thing I wonder if he thinks that he's not so much refining it as making it more itself you know it's more accessible to people to understand what what it's supposed to be I wonder that I don't know maybe it it does have a a stronger power or more direct power or something but but I I like the idea that that uh, that if you cut out the last 70 years of movies and had replaced it with a different kind of cinematic evolution, this would still be roughly where you were at, or maybe, maybe this would have come earlier, but sound do- totally derailed this kind of visual storytelling um, for all sorts mm-hmm. of reasons that are interesting. But, but when he approaches this story, I mean, he did it as storyboards, right? There was no yeah. script, and they would sort of yeah. manufacture whatever necessary dialogue they had that day, I think, or something close to that. Um, mm-hmm. And that threw the actors super hard. They 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 had a miserable time making this movie, right? Yeah, That's... I've heard, especially Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah. And then when, but you know, the story ends where they saw it and they they like apologized to him at a press conference, yeah, at, right? because at Con, yeah.
1: Tom Hardy had to apologize to him in front of the press corps. Yeah. Well, he didn't have to. He well, just. I don't know the story. He took the... Happened. So so Tom Hardy apparently had a really difficult time on during the making of this film because and from an actor standpoint, I get it yeah. because he showed up. You know, Tom or uh, George Miller was like, okay, today uh, we're going to shoot the, you know, we're going to spend all day shooting this one scene where you're in the, and you look out the window. And Tom's like, well, what, well, what's going on? He's like, don't worry about it. This is a very, you know, technical. I just need this. Mm -hmm. And Tom was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know the story. I don't see what you see in your head. And it was very frustrating from an acting standpoint. And they and
2: had no script. They had no traditional oh, yeah, script was, to look yeah. at
1: and be like, here's the arc. It the was like, here's a storyboard,
2: head. a pack of storyboards. I don't know yeah. what to make of this. Wow. Yeah.
1: And I think, and I think he got really ornery on set because he was very frustrated. And then he saw the movie and went, oh, this is what you had in your head. I, I couldn't see that, but now I see it. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry that oh, I was such a so dick on set because I should have just trusted you. Yeah. Um, and, and he did that in front of the press corps at Con, which that guy's pretty good. Yeah He's uh, he one points in my book for that. I for have sure. a
0: question for Kalen and Yuri We've discussed mm-hmm. this, but I'd love to hear how your thoughts have evolved about this mm-hmm. So when we first started this podcast we watched Mad Max Mad Max the Road Warrior and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome The latter of which obviously is a terrible film. I want to reiterate that um, but <laughs> what struck what struck yeah. me does the, that come
1: across in our last episode?
2: <laughs> it, what comes across is that it holds together with Neria. It might be a terrible, it might be a bad film, but it's not a bad film. It's it, and, th- and I think this is what, when we talk about Babe, Picking in the City. I have things to say about. Okay, great, about great. Okay, we we'll well, So, will, so, so I, the question for the, yeah. yeah. uh, the question is
0: yeah. The question is, it, or it's more like I'm asking a comment on this idea that George Miller seems to be refining. The same ideas and working with the same stories and sort of finding things he likes and more fully crystallizing a a centralized vision, which is something a lot of my favorite authors do—they write the same book over and over again.
2: Really, do you have a sense about that? I think he's crystallizing the delivery mechanism, which is a perfect genre chase piece, because what he is saying in Fury Road is very, very different from what he's saying in the other films or what the, the the. Thematics are about are totally different, and he has talked about, you know, not feeling like he could do another Mad Max until he figured out what the central MacGuffin was. And in this case, he thought, "Oh, we haven't done people, we haven't done stealing people or or cargos of people and, and human slave labor, or whatever it would be." And he said, "Okay, well, that gives me an insight into how to tell a new story." But for me, the the yes part, I think, is he's they've all been basically chases or genre stories. I mean, Thunderdome slightly less, but but that's uh, but that's what he's been focusing on and concentrating as a perfect c- cinematic experience and then what it's loaded with it happens to be whatever he's thinking about you know at the time and how it's responding to the contemporary culture i mean i i the amazing thing one of the most amazing things about fury road is that it is the most hyper contemporary movie i've seen mm-hmm. in ages i mean it is uh, it is so specific to 2015 i suppose um, or our moment right now, all th- and it, it gets there through such specificity of its alien world. I mean, that's it's mm-hmm. you know when you talk about Philip K. Dick, it's what you and I sort of talk about all the time as far as why sci-fi is a valuable genre. Is if you build if you build it true to itself, you you there's something I- magic about you can't help but inform it with who you are at that moment and in that time. And it's not about being lost in the details of another world. It's about those details suddenly expanding into to our world and you know I wouldn't call Mad Max a commentary as much as like an inevitable reflection you know mm. it's and that's what I think he's perfected is let's let's get the delivery system down what is the how do you turn a chase into a storytelling mechanism mm. so you know.
1: do you think that the follow-up to Fury Road his next Mad Max film will also involve chasing a big rig through the desert chasing a tanker through the desert because we've established that since Road Warrior that's been in Every movie, every right. Mad Max movie—that's been the sort of the central set piece for the film. I—I I doubt it. So you think he'll? I think he'll do something different. I think—I I think, I mean, look, yeah.
2: I cannot wait to see whatever he does ever, ever. But yeah. there's there's no way he'll make a movie as
1: good as Mad Max Fury Road the next time out. Yeah, I, um, I'm I'm afraid of the same thing. I, I'm not it took afraid so of it. So long, it's just, for him to Yeah, do it well, and that's, that's just the reality. Yeah. Time. and
2: that's the thing for me about Thunderdome and and let's do it. I want to talk about Babe too. It's, let's do it. Let's <laughs> get right. Let's get right. I, don't, I see no reason
1: to, to beat around the babe. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's a movie that doesn't really work as a movie. And I think you might say the same thing about Thunderdome. But it's perfection of set pieces and sequences and loading those with character and story and emotion are, it's exactly the same. And in that movie he does it essentially piecemeal. It's like each sequence unto itself is perfect. Mm. Um, and the 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 movement of the camera is unbelievable. His tracking of cause and effect, which is essentially all Fury Road is, is one long sequence of cause and effect, mm-hmm. is absolutely perfect. And Babe kind of grinds to a halt, a Pig in the City, in between those moments, there's interesting stuff and he's playing with stuff, but it's like, it's all about the set piece. And so, in this movie, for me, it's the only time, and maybe it's how long it took to bake, I don't know, but like, it's the only one that is it's essentially one scene. It's, he's yeah. decided, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just make one sequence. Because I do that well. will, Yeah, I do that yeah. incredibly well. Yeah. And I love all of his movies because they're, so, they're all so interesting. But this one is, its mo- is his most complete vision, I think, because that's, that's his wheelhouse, man. It's like, I'll just do one scene and then... I don't mean to harp on this, but... If you're you bringing def- up Star Wars, I'm not I about to.
1: swear to I'm God. To.
0: Your defense of Babe 2 is people's defense of Star Wars, almost verbatim.
2: They're absolutely wrong. But you've
0: heard that defense before. No.
2: Right? Uh, it's a
0: series of great sequences right, right. that are oh, really well okay. done in, on individual see. things. It doesn't hang together as a film, but who cares? a sequence?
1: Uh, I subject. would argue, it's been a while since I've gone back to Babe 2 Pig in the City, which I love and own. Um, but I think I'm going to have to now because I would argue that Babe 2 Pig in the City is more cohesive. What well, has to be. And better than Thunderdome. Yeah, it oh. is. Um, and, it's and a better we've, movie. We've talked about it before. I know George Miller, you know, suffered this huge, you know, death in his in his world right as that was happening, and right. I, and I think he was just trying to hold it together. And I think that's probably part of why that movie, did, you know, I don't know what the studio interference was or Tina Turner's interference. I ha- I have no idea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but it does not. But because the little things don't work and they don't make sense and they don't play by the rules that he has sort of established early on, it. Those even the, the 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 you know quote unquote perfect action sequences don't hold together as well for me because yeah. I'm not as invested. I think you're. Whereas right. Fury Road is perfect. perfect. Everything about it's perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything about the 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 cosmic.
2: I mean, look, Babe 2 has it tells you how he makes movies from the in the very beginning. The first se- Have you seen yeah. it? No, I haven't seen it. So well, the first, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna talk we, about it. After so this good. is all over. The first sequence of the film basically is. It's an if only this, then that wouldn't have happened, right? It's like yeah. the farmer, it's about how the farmer gets hurt. Is like, that's, you know the story of Babe. Yeah. Okay. So in the very beginning of Babe 2, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, I'm, 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 I was just trying to come up with it. It's Hoggett, the farmer yeah, Hoggett, but yeah. it's James Cromwell. Cromwell, thank you. Is going to get water out of the well. And Babe sort of bumbles something up. And then one, it's about, the sequence is concentrating on one thing leading to another, which fates the farmer to be seriously injured. And so, if only the Uh pulley hadn't caught on this thing, and if only he hadn't bumped the bucket on the way up to the top of the well, and if only the water hadn't sloshed out of the bucket and fallen back down into the well, all this stuff. Like, so it's just a series of of cause and Cause and effect. Rube Goldberg-like devices, right, yeah, which, yeah. which crush, you know, anyway, that's how the, the plot gets started. But that right. movie works in sequences according to that exact same principle. You can't
1: afford to hire, you know, Cromwell for the whole movie. Yeah, so we've basically. Got to, we've, yeah. Got to, we've got to get <laughs> rid of him. Shoot him <laughs> out. Well, how do, how do I do out. things? That's how I do. get
2: rid of him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's also, it's how every, every yeah. sequence works. And so I think that you could say that the whole, <laughs> by the end of that sequence, it's sort of a ridiculous length to go for a single plot point. The farmer got hurt. That's the, right, point, right. That's the whole point. Yeah. Right. That could. Right, they
1: could. They could. That could have been voiceover, and yeah. you'd even have to have him in the movie. Yeah. yeah.
2: But the the whole movie doesn't. It's kind of similar. Where it's by the end of the film, you've had a, a I would say, argue a, a very emotional and sort of up and down, you know, meaningful experience. But it's not like the whole movie makes a lot of sense. It's just kind of stuff happens and the animals go crazy, basically. Yeah. Um, and each sequence unto itself is perfectly, incredibly beautiful and loaded with dark emotion, like really yeah. adult. Harsh emotion about and, how hard it is to live in the world, and and, and like.
1: straight up road warrior imagery in yeah. one scene later in the film. Well, yeah, yeah. there are punks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Australian punks in the city. Yeah, yeah.
0: what movie would be complete without George Miller putting in Australian
1: punks? <laughs> exactly. Um, he invented Australian punks. Actually. Yeah, he brought much. he brought punk rock to Australia. Yeah,
2: but no, you're right. The, that movie works better because it's just I think. the design. Yeah. Well, and it's also, but you know, I don't know. Maybe he works better with with insane. Constraints, because in that movie he's pulling this all off with real animals who are just running, running around, right, and it all feels 100% natural. It's not like you ever see an animal like confused.
1: Yeah, they all are fucking animals, but they're all like that dog clearly does not know what what his motivation is. (laughs) (laughs) Extra in this scene, he's so terrible.
2: Well, wait, that's super interesting though, because you're when you say that, that's super serious. Like the dogs, like there's a scene where a dog is he's got broken legs and he's on a little wheelchair and he's hanging on to a thread hanging out of a car as it speeds down the the road and it's like he's he's going to die the dog is going to die he's and they keep yelling at him to let go and then it's going way too fast and he's on a freeway and all that stuff and it's like he, you would think that dog is right in there. He's really having this experience. Right. But it's the same as Tom Hardy, where he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, George Miller. Like, right. I'm just, I'm just in this car and I'm looking around. Like, it's he treats him exactly the same. I the, wonder if this.
0: when Tom Hardy was putting up his fuss instead of George Miller, was like, the dog never
2: fucking did this. He's like, <laughs> the <laughs> dog never. Why could, why have done this with a Jack Russell? And I right can now, do it with you, Tom yeah. Hardy. If you just shut the fuck why up. Could, for a why second? couldn't
1: we have gotten that that Husky from that that sled dog from the thing? <laughs> yeah. John Carpenter's the thing because <laughs> that because do that dog is the best. Animal. Actor in in film history. God,
0: yeah. Uh, let me let me let me ask this question. Uh, so I I told Kalen I was like oh I'm excited about this podcast and doing Yuri it gives us a chance to hang out which was ostensibly the reason for this to begin with so I get to talk to Yuri about things I like um, and then we talked about Mad Max Fury Road and Kalen's first reaction was. I would love to talk about that in conjunction with Magic Mike XXL.
1: Oh, yeah. It's the oh, first thing right. he said. It's the first that's thing right. he said. I would love to. And <laughs> somebody actually it? did a mashup trailer before. Is that true? Yes, there is a, a, a Magic Erection Mike XXL <laughs> um, Fury Road mashup trailer, which I think we'll have to we'll have to pull up and watch after. Well, yeah, you'll yeah. Have to oh, you never heard of Road in Kalen. the links. I didn't yeah, even know I, that I it just, just it. assumed that that was going to be part of the discussion. It had no, no, it had nothing to do with that. Uh, well, I thought, <laughs> but, but go because because I because I honestly I loved both movies. Okay, great. Yeah, and well, I thought, I, and
2: why was this your first reaction? Is my question. Well, they were my f- Mad Max. It was a, because for the when I was making a top ten list of the year, it was vacillating between Mad Max and Magic Mike at the top, and because wow. I think that they do very very similar things with movie form and with expected genre. Go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! The floor God. is yours. I'll do my best.
1: <laughs> but but no, that I'm here to support you. Okay, good. So, okay, so okay, please. So here's the right. So here's Travis thesis. is going to be here to break you down. God, okay, I'll do that. I'll and and right, I'll be good. here to support you. Have you? Seen, but you haven't seen XSO. No, oh, just okay. Like well, be, that's that's, that's I'm,
0: I'm cantankerous. Um, so,
1: okay.
2: I mean, if Mad Max is a is a action sequence, it's an action scene, or it's an action movie. Let's say that's the genre. Magic Mike is a road too. Is a road movie. That's the genre. Yep. And so you know ostensibly everything that's going to happen in that film i mean in in fury road once the adventure starts you basically know what's going to happen she's they have to they have to come back they have to take down this warlord this you know Mm -hmm. this general guy this sort of dictator guy that's all got to happen and you kind of get it fairly early on and then it's the process of seeing how that's done and, and loading it with all this sort of um interesting thoughts and and um Relationships, uh, relationships yeah. and characters, and, and developing the themes of it, you know, about sort of a male dominated world versus a female dominated world, or what those look like in conjunction with, or in, in uh, contrast. Magic Mike is a road movie, and you know everything that's going to happen. They tell you where they're going, you know mm-hmm. that they're going to get there, and they're going to do a mm-hmm. thing, and they're going to fucking win, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the thing. So it, the details of it become, which they never talk about explicitly, except kind of in one scene. Um, it's really about this growth story about discovering what women want or require from a Mm -hmm. relationship or a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And so the whole movie is a series of set pieces where they sometimes just watch as other men sort of perform for these women who freak out and start to sort of assemble an understanding about their role in a woman's life. And and for him, he's just gotten out of a relationship. You know, his Mm -hmm. girlfriend has left him and he doesn't know why. He's frustrated by it. And so then he spends the entire movie learning about what his role is as a fantasy dancer and as how he could be a better partner to a the next time, the next relationship he gets in. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's all under the surface. They never get into it explicitly. And like Mad Max, it's a movie that everybody is so, not everybody, but a lot of people are quick to throw out as... Let's well, fucking strippers go on a road trip, right. What are you talking? This is the story. Sucks. Fantasy dancers. The story you established su- them as fantasy you dancers. I would like to go, go with that. Well, because <laughs> is that the
0: way you say it? I was I, I that word too. Well, fantasy well, dancer. Why didn't you just say? Stripper? Have I been saying? Because
2: it? because it's about. So much about what they do is about, uh, they're trying to understand their role in a woman's fantasy, sexual fantasy life. Yeah. Right? And so they aren't just strippers. Did someone teach you that phrase or did you come I up with it? I made it, it up, up right now. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I'm no, never going to call good. a stripper a stripper. I'm going to only refer to them as fantasy. Only dancers. the good ones are fantasy. <laughs> right, right. Okay. That's true. There's plenty of strippers. Uh, so so the, so the movies just feel of a piece to me. And they're also, they're, 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 they're both MM, right? Mad Max. Mad Max. That was your Magic whole money. answer. <laughs> that was the Well, answer. I mean, they're both MMs. But, they, but anyway, so, and I'm, you know, I've been sort of, oh God, this sounds, this all sounds pretentious, so I'm just going to lean into it. I apologize. Do it. We do that. Um, it's, a, it's
0: a filmmaking, a film podcast.
2: I, ha- yeah. I went on this rant when I was in Texas with um, uh, somebody who's, who's going to direct a film that Travis and I wrote, and we were trying to drum up money. And I went, we went, we were at Fantastic Fest, and we were seeing a bunch of movies. I love Fantastic Fest. It was Fest. awesome. It was it's super fantastic. fun. Yeah. And I went on this long mildly intoxicated but <laughs> hours long rant about, awesome. about how I was like I'm kind of over story I'm bored with story in movies and movies that concentrate their efforts on telling a story I don't give a fuck I don't care and yeah. that what I mean is narrative and and the right. sort of plots of details of plots it's like I've seen so many movies and I think most people have mm-hmm. That it's like that. Those details, while interesting on a kind of form and assembly level, are not particularly interesting. And I wish they'd just get through it and get to the rather than feeling
1: like they're oh, we have to come up with a new twist. We have to fake you out. We have to, you know, tell a story that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah, I'm with you. Who cares? And
2: so these movies, for me, are kind of what I what I what I liked about them is the quick dispense of that. Is like we we know what the structure is. We know what's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Let's just get to the fun games. ignore all of it because trust us enough to know that we're going to get through that stuff. Yeah. And then you're just going to get all these ideas and all these emotions packed into these sequences, which will, you know, come through that system. And, and, and I, I, those movies really did that for me. And it's, it, again, to, to knock it back, it's what silent film does. There's no time to get into plot twists. Who cares? Like there's yeah. maybe one or two, but they're the execution of an idea Mm-hmm. often an emotional idea uh, certainly in the general's case is all mm-hmm. these emotional uh, uh, and thematic ideas about humanity and machinery and sort of what we're becoming as a modern society all this cool mm-hmm. stuff because you don't have to worry about stupid story right. and so mm-hmm. I went out so the and the guy I was talking to was a little bit like Who were you talking to? It was Jason, Jason. It was, yeah, yeah. And, and he and he was he, he got what I meant but I was he was sort of like, man, you're, you're out of control.
0: (laughs) Um, No story, no plot. It makes
2: him a fun writing partner.
0: It's really (laughs) a joy. You can do whatever you want.
2: (laughs) Well, we, but, but we're fantasy dancer sequences but we constantly. Can say, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we're trying very hard to get to the to distill the idea of story a little bit. I mean, we're not nearly as good. That's as That's why Philip like K. But...
0: Dick is fun to talk about. It's just about distilling the story, the core idea, and then sort of building out from there. Yeah. And that's that's something we both enjoy doing, and I think something George Miller enjoys doing, yeah. which is what's the core idea here? What is the most pristine version of this idea executed as cleanly as possible? Mm-hmm. And that's why these movies are so fun to to pull apart. Is because everything has a place in this central concept and the central conceit mm-hmm. plays through its details. They're, the details aren't twists or turns, mm-hmm. they're support on this mountain of support for this core idea which he's playing with.
2: Yeah, it's so fun to look yeah. at. It's so fun, and you get such a feeling. I get at least such a feeling of relief. Like, I, there's this, I went to see the second, the first time I saw Mad Max Fury Road in the theater, I was pretty overwhelmed by it. I think yeah. if most people would be. It's crazy and it's hard to understand what is going on. I mean, in just in terms of mm-hmm. how can this actually be a movie? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so you listen. really have to like it teaches you how to watch it, and by the end of the film, you know how to watch it and, you, know watch it, and then you can go back and watch it. Um, yeah. And you
1: immediately want to. That was that was to. that was a big absolutely. deal for me. Is but, that it made me want to all the stuff that I didn't understand, yeah. I didn't I wasn't frustrated by that. It made me want to go and find out more by watching totally. it. Totally. It's an yeah. invitation to watch it again. It's, it's a deep a, hole. Absolutely. Yeah. And there, and those, and I,
2: I, would say for me, some of the best films ever made are those things. Yeah. Is that that force you to come back around? And I, uh, so the second time I watched it in a theater, um, the first sequence uh, where he where he flips the car and he gets captured and he and you know he runs out and jumps on the rope and all this stuff, it was just so perfectly done that it. I was by the end by the time the title smashes on and it's. Yeah, like... Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I was crying, like sincerely crying and, yeah. and it sounds so dumb, but the only other movie, this is the only way I can explain it, is the only other movie I, I know that does it to me in that same way is the beginning of Raising Arizona, yes. where I was
1: just about to, as an example of a movie that invites you to come back and, totally. and learn more every time that was a, yeah. totally. Yes. And that opening yeah, yeah, sequence,
2: yeah. just, you have such faith and trust yep. that they're doing something totally crazy yeah but it's so in control it makes and so like, much sense just let it go man like you get to have you get to enjoy this entire experience because we have everything taken care of <sighs> we're gonna get along so <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> so so and i weep at when the title of raising arizona comes on it's yeah. so, just just for and i can't really tell yeah. you why because it's not about appreciation of a perfect form it's just so it's so comforting like yeah. to be like this is they know it's so perfect yeah um, and then the and then the rest of the movie happens, and you know, uh,
0: it's a perfect introduction to this film. Besides yeah. being perfectly done, it's so fast and concise. There's no wasted time, no wasted effort. Even the opening voiceover, which I've kind of railed on a little bit in this podcast, even even that feels like okay. Like I'm I'm into this, and yeah. because he gets away from it so fast, and yeah. I really respect him not. Mudding and never comes back to ch- it. Yeah, I really feel like that's a studio note. Did, yeah. Didn't we hear something about that where you said, "Yeah, it didn't make sense," or, and we had to like put this on.
2: I don't. I don't know. Well, uh, I. I mean, I. And this is a bad argument for a movie like this, but it's just you got to help some. You got to help them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, that's when probably you, what you when been you been. first any. But most people going to see this movie, I would say most people yeah. haven't seen yeah, the Road sure. Warrior. Haven't I seen yeah, Max. Yeah. They, don't know yeah. the, they don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. So a little bit of like. And, I, and I've player. said it
1: before, and I'll, and I'll say it again. I mean one of the things that that struck me and made me fall in love with it so hard, even the first time, was that it's so rare that I feel so respected as an audience member that the filmmaker says, "Look, just trust me, I know what I'm doing, you may not understand right away, but but don't worry about it, and I'll, t- I'll take care of you and there'll you know and, yep. and you'll figure it out, and I trust you to figure it out um because you're so smart yeah, and most films are like. Well, let us explain we're afraid you're not going to get it so we're going to over explain things we should just do a green and,
0: screen scene with harrison ford and carrie fisher <laughs> and, and we'll explain <laughs> the whole movie to, we, to right. you the third time just to make sure you understand well right. but look yeah. if we are like i'm, I'm
2: willing to take the bait on that because not just that don't scene, fall but the whole movie the the force awakens feels like nobody knows what they're doing and they don't trust Themselves much less the audience to follow their story. Yeah, it's complete
0: chaos. Yeah, it's yeah. Complete it's
2: chaos. narrative chaos And for somebody for someone who says they don't like story. I don't like story, you know It has to be there you have to get you have to deliver on something. Yeah, and it has to have some assembly of structure You know that makes any sense. I was talking to my friend the other day about listen I won't get to real
0: I promise but I was talking to him about Star Wars and he said, okay, is it maybe that you had expectations and it's ruined your childhood or you feel like personally (laughs) affronted? I go, no, 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 here's my entire complaint. It doesn't work as a story everything else i have complaints about but this is the primary concern i have right. and all of my complaints will revolve around this one basic issue yeah. so when people accuse mad max fury road of not having a story it drives me insane because yeah. it is the best most primal story possible yeah. Yeah. its self discovery its escape its conquering it's all these things that we talk about as being primal stories and not mm-hmm. just it's not just there in the background it's the fucking story like it's right. the it's the story but it's such it's such a simply executed idea mm-hmm. that it allows for all this other stuff. And I think if it's not shoved in people's faces, they don't understand the character growth, maybe that's happening, or yeah. the actual story.
2: Or I mean, this is the, this is the fall of the patriarchy. It's an enormous story. Yeah. it's yeah. huge. Yeah, it's huge. And it's, it's the, with all these side details. I mean, yeah. that's what's amazing is it's an epic story. It's not for as simple as the structure is. This is a story about what insurgents, you know, uh, crazy terrorist believers turning around and seeing that they can have an effect for the positive. I, I was thinking about this a lot. This would be fun. Have you guys talked about this yet? It, Furiosa, in order to... It's a movie that says that the... If it says this, could could say. It's not about a people's uprising. It's about somebody who's embedded deeply within the government system and has just had a change of heart. Because to get where she is, you can't imagine that she was faking it her whole life. Mm-hmm. She bought no. in on some bought level. In. Yeah. And she has de gendered herself she's completely she's she's now she's 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 got this mechanized arms like mm-hmm. she is fully she part head. of the system she's, yeah deeply in the system and she's the only she's the one who decides yeah I, I bet i could i can either escape or do some good and ultimately i can topple this thing i don't know any movie that talks about that i mean it's like it's kind of shakespearean but yeah it's mm-hmm. weird We've that it's not about to. people
0: we started to in a detail that i meant to talk about last time yeah. it didn't is that is that furiosa her shaved head, we've talked about, but the fact that there's stubble growing back feels very interesting and intentional to me. Where the War Boys have completely shaved heads. Mm, she's right. you, you can track her hair growth, I bet you, as to when she started deciding, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And so it's interesting to me that she is yeah. the only one who has a shaved head, but hers isn't all the way shaped. And there's something right. about that that feels That's really storytelling wise. Super very interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes I mean, a lot of sense. But here's the <laughs> thing about this movie, and I, I wanted to tell you this, Caitlin, is that to me, this podcast has become a huge success, not necessarily in. Uh, uh, enjoyability of listening, I'm sure. <laughs> right, There right. are numbers of like, listeners. Yeah, we started with a theory, which was, I bet this movie sustains deep analysis on a frame by frame level, and it fucking does. And yeah. there's there's so many things mm-hmm. we've freeze framed and gone back and seen. I told I told Caitlin about this, but even this moment where we realized that on. Um, uh, Uh, What's his name? Joe's.
1: What's his name? uh, Immortan Joe.
0: Immortan Joe's uh, chest plate. There's these um, war American Eagle things. There's bottle caps and there's a circuit board up there. Even that small detail, I haven't stopped thinking about it because it's so interesting to think about what that means to him where Why that circuit there, board came from. Where it came from. Right. It, that simple detail opens up loads of just fun brainstorming and thought and so many frames in this movie that you you honestly don't catch the first go-round. Mm-hmm. Do that. They open you up to this world in a larger way and it's inviting mm-hmm. you in to consider.
2: Well, and yeah, for, I mean, that's super interesting. but getting it's not To me, it's not... I'm sure you agree with this, but it's not about getting obsessed with the details and trying to unpack details. It's more like... These broad strokes which feel cliche or ultra or like ultra broad you know are each one of them is loaded with all these details of symbolism which which like I say the the reality to which they adhere to this world is one thing but the way that they project out into our world is what makes it a great great mm-hmm. great great movie It's not about getting lost up its own ass of, of you know oh yeah her hair started growing no no right this is about something this is about how you would sort of pull down In a
0: you know what it is? It's to me. It's storytelling, and you, you guys both said this in your intro, in, in terms of the intro of the film. But, but anytime you're watching a film or reading a book by someone you know has considered everything and has chosen every detail. So for me, it's the intro to. Right. It wasn't haphazard. No, you know? no. A supposedly fun thing I'll never do again by David Foster Wallace. That essay, is, which is, is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. The intro to that story, or that you know essay, whatever you want to call it, is so carefully thought through and specific that it allows you to sit back and relax and, and disengage your critical mind because you know for a fact that author has thought through every word and everything. And it yeah. allows you a certain level of connection you can't get because it, it bypasses your conscious mind in a way it allows mm-hmm. you to accept it. And I think that the, the details, although you don't need to consider them to appreciate the film, the fact that they are there if you choose to is what gives you this disconnect and this ability to really accept it because you know George Miller's thought
2: about well, it. Well, and that's, that's I, would, I don't know his process in terms of developing stories. I mean, I know the stories of roughly how he does it, but I, I wonder if, for him, the sort of cleanliness of narrative and story and concept in terms of, okay, it's going to be about people, allows him to get to, because those, all those details feel so organic from the world and none of them feel projected onto the film. It makes sense that her hair would start to grow back, and that would be part of her mm-hmm. example of her rebellion, right? That's a great example, and I'm sure he considered that. But he had to get through that from his own story. It's like the, it yeah. feels like the story started telling him.
0: That's exactly how right. To, yeah. to did, tell and it, it. Took, he took time enough to think about it and to let the story gestate and fully develop. And all these details feel organic; they don't feel put on. It's I keep you and I always talk about this. It's it's just he started from a core central premise of what if ignored all of his baggage in his life and said, what if this really was the thing? How would this world work? Well, right. this would happen and this would happen. And you have to have some some transport device like this. You'd have to have signaling devices with mirrors. Right.
1: The cars mm-hmm. would function this way. This would have value. This would no longer have value. It's yep. just
0: thought through. It's yeah. just watching someone who is not lazy do something brilliant and and, and knowing mm-hmm. that it's been done well. And that's why this has been a rewarding experience for me is to just not because we I feel the need to, or, or in defense of the film, but it's fun for me yeah. to unpack something that someone yeah. has packed. And he didn't do it as Easter eggs. It doesn't feel like he's done, like, oh, look at this cool thing I put in. No. It's he, just his right. world.
1: And, yeah, and I don't think... I think some of these things evolved without... You know, as, as much as he's thought everything through, I think some of these things, like you're saying, the, the story started telling him, you know, evolved naturally. And and your, your idea that, uh, you know, going back just to, just a hair to... That Furiosa you know at some point or other had to have bought into this all of a sudden makes her later line of redemption she said what What are you You look. you know i admit you know i'm looking for you know some kind of redemption mm. and they never say in the story oh she did this bad thing you're right as a matter of fact we've only seen her do good things mm-hmm. so far she's saving these women but you're right why is that you know that 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 was always confusing to me and again in a good way because i didn't know exactly what she needed redemption for but but this this theory totally yeah attributed totally sure, to the
0: patriarchy for this not just the patriarchy but this oppression of the the crippled and the weak right. and, the, and the young yeah they but. wouldn't
1: have given her that much command and that much power in this patriarchy if she hadn't earned it and totally because a so, woman's yeah. gonna
0: have to be more brutal than a man to to in that world at least yeah that's,
1: and the, and for the idea that
2: Joe would let a woman yeah have that much power is it tells you everything I mean she yeah and, and I think it's not I mean, we're talking about the details of the world, but it's naive to assume, and I don't, I don't know you guys are, that she has fooled her way up the ladder. There's just no yeah, yeah, way. I, yeah, exactly. I do no, not believe that. We agree. We,
0: we, we have touched on this a little bit. When the guy yeah. comes to uh, her and says, hey, where are we going? And right. she just says, she doesn't answer him at first, and then she mm. says, we're going east. Yeah. Um, that's, and I point out to Yuri, and Yuri's point out to me, various parts about this, which is that she didn't have to answer him at all. She could have rolled out the window. She, you know, but uh, Yuri's theory, which I think is a good one, is that she has a personal relationship with
2: him? God, well, There's I love, trust. and that yeah. they, 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 he goes back and they start talking amongst themselves, well, she must be up to something, like, yeah. she must have a good idea. Yeah. And it's they start right. theorizing what it is, right? Yeah, like it that's... takes,
1: like, three times yeah. for him to, before, before he, you get that look in his eye, like, what's happened? I don't think she's, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. something's fucking up. Yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: But I love that she always answers, like, at the third, yeah. the second time he bangs on the roof, she opens it immediately. She's not like, oh, this guy, what do I yeah. tell instantly open, what's, like, what's up? She invites the conversation. She's never right. trying to be, right. You know, right. About, because I do think there's a, the, the in, in George Miller's world or, or story, there's obviously must be a personal relationship between her right-hand man on these caravans. And, well,
1: and, and again, you know, informed by the action because they have this one, like, tag team bit that they've clearly rehearsed or done a million times where he comes up and he's like, ready, go. And then she locks the accelerator. They flip out. Yeah. He's got yeah. the thing. She shoots the... Totally. Like, like that they didn't come up with that on the fly yeah. like they've done that. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. so that's yeah, yeah So they 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 have they've had a long relationship Yeah,
0: even though the the gags and the action bits are in service of God, story. That's it, amazing unintentionally...
2: and she has to You'll like this yeah. unlike Star Wars. I where, almost made.
0: I was <laughs> you know what I'm going? Gonna say? yeah, I do I think
2: yeah, well, let's see uh, She you get the sense that because of this long-term relationship she She has had to make peace with the fact that She's gonna probably kill these knew, guys. This is
0: exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, yes.
2: and that here we have this fucking stormtrooper <laughs> uh-huh. who's like, talking. woo, let's kill all my friends!" Yeah, <laughs> like
0: it's so dumb. Yeah, one, comparatively, one indicates backstory that's been thought through. One indicates primacy of gags and plot over character.
2: Yeah, we have to we have to have an escape Nailed scene it. where they kill all the stormtroopers and uh, obviously he's the one. However, they, they it. get there, and yeah. it's a
0: bummer to have him be sad about killing his friends. So let's have him happy about it. Yeah. Next scene. Yeah. Like right. that's really yeah. what it is, but. When you, but you feel, and I really just think this is true about all movies and stories, you don't get it necessarily, but you feel it. You know if something's sure, absolutely through sure. real. And Mad Max Fury Road feels so real. It hits you on a, on a character level that's so real because they're acting and behaving like people do. And we recognize we're primates, mm-hmm. we're animals. We recognize real behavior in people. We know when someone's lying to mm-hmm. us. We, we sort of have a, a honed sense of that. Star Wars is constantly lying to us. Well, I mean, look,
2: there's a. next th- isn't. And yeah. and that's an interesting parallel. But there's a, also a direct. I never actually thought about this. Have you guys already talked about this? That Nux is essentially Finn. I mean, it's the same story. It's it's a yeah. defector from the inside on a low right. level. This is this is right. their this is their workhorse. The, you know, these are right. their their uh, grunts. But,
1: yeah, but whereas Nux has this beautiful right. arc of of you know in the beginning he starts off as one thing and in the end he's. You know, totally, his world has changed, yeah. and he's had to he's had to turn it all around. and becomes, and you know, well, and it's so the actual, things. Earned, it's it's, it's an actual actual earned, thing.
2: which is unbelievable. It's an <laughs> earned unmaking of a fundamentalist, a, a ground level fundamentalist who's just been right. born into the system, and he has no reason to question it. And no, nor does Finn; no reason to question this. Mm-hmm. This has been this is his entire life, and yet that movie spends an entire. I had never you know, made that parallel. No, I had. It
0: is so obvious now that you say yeah. it. it's a great.
2: And he, and by the end, man, do you feel for that guy? I mean, I watched it with oh, my
1: twelve-year-old. Yeah, tears, hero. tears. When Total he, hero. when you, when you realize when he realizes what he has to do, and then you realize what he's about to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It and, and it and it makes that whole you know witness and witness me thing that's been running through the whole film. All of a sudden, when he says it. And it's about it's about so and much more than intent. just the, and so much yeah. more than it was at uh-huh. the beginning when he said it. Yeah, and and about I just more got than chills thinking me too about that totally. Moment. And yeah. it also it's they,
2: they it's so smart because he has a very unspoken but believable flirtation and sort of relationship with one of the women. Yeah, he sort of comes to respect her. But that when he gets to witness me, it's about his fundamentalism. It's about everything mm-hmm. in yeah. advance of that. He says it to her, which is very beautiful. But. Man, oh man, it's a—it's just so full. It's not just—it does not reduce to a r-
1: romance, I guess. Is what I'm saying. It's not—it's well, not, not a droid, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had talked about this. Uh, Excuse me, chills of a different kind. <laughs> yeah. oh, dick chills. I
0: I, uh, I I noticed that in this in Mad Max Fury Road that all of the—it it is a—it is a, a move from fundamentalism to individual re- relationships, and all the character development that happens in, the, in that film. Happens on the back of a personal connection, whether it's Maxim Furiosa or whether it's the start of the, of Nux's transformation is, of course, seeing his god per, per, close up. That's part of it. There's always elements to it that start to make that happen. But really, it's this woman who who is kind to him and touches right. his face. Mm-hmm. That's where that transformation really starts to take root with this mm-hmm. kid, and and it becomes this this um, move from ephemeral, um, you know, idolatry. To a specific one-to-one human relationship, and that the the phrase "witness me" encompasses that so well. That shift and the the the, the ability of that line to do double duty like that is just—it's genius. And I use that term very specifically. I know. It's mm-hmm. genius mm-hmm. because it's simple and it works on every level. Uh, it's a complete metaphor that really, really focuses. And I, I want to talk as the series goes mm-hmm. on, Yuri. I want to talk more about this idea of of personal relationships being the driving force for character change in this movie, as opposed to big ideas or whatever the bullshit stuff. Well, and
2: it's, I mean, this is a long thread unto itself, and I'm sure you guys will get to it, but it's why this, when people complain that Mad Max is a side character, it's, this is at the root of understanding why he isn't and why he's so necessary to the story. All these things are going to happen, but he needs to be there to engage with them and, and create meaning and to... To witness wake though. up yeah. and, you know i mean that's sort of his his role in the story is to come out of oblivion right he's completely right. insane but at the beginning of the story right. and he has to clarify that he has purpose and that he can help and that there is good and there's bad and you know yeah. he refines his his sense of humanity and, and hope yeah. yeah and hope yeah. and and that's that's pretty essential without that outsider character to live on i mean i guess you could have done it with nux but this he kind of takes on that he but carries it, that yeah, forward. And they
1: establish early on that. Nux, it, it's you know, he's on the latter end of his half-life. Like, he's going to die anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um Which doesn't make his sacrifice any less no, makes beautiful, better, yeah. you know, or important at the end. But you're right. Max says early on, he says, hope is a mistake. Clearly right. he has none. He's, mm-hmm. he's living on survival, you yep. know, survival mode early on. Right. Which he says. And by the end of it, yeah, by the end of it, he... You know he gives his own blood. I mean, you know he, you yeah, know, right. I mean, well, we can, we can, we haven't, we haven't really touched on the whole the Trinity and the Christ figure and like all of yeah. that sort of right. symbolism sure. in this. Totally. But he literally gives his blood to her. And to... the
0: idea that he leaves at the end—that's uh, hopeful. I
1: think yeah, that's, the that's a big part of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. He, he, not having hope is staying there and seeing it through. It's still a yeah. fine ending. It's a yeah. fine ending if yeah. he stays there for a so. But the fact that he leaves—that's a hopeful move. And I heard that think. was a
1: Tom Hardy thing. I heard that in the end, it, he was originally supposed to, they were just supposed to all go up together on the thing, and Tom Hardy said, I don't buy it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't stay.
0: Yeah. Oh, he wouldn't be, he
1: wouldn't feel like he could stay there. And it's interesting is that it came from, this is why this movie's great, and we should wrap
0: up at this, but, but. If it, you say so. It, well, I won't we'll keep going <laughs> forever, but, but, I, but, but it, the idea that something that feels so thematically necessary came from a character instinct.
2: Yeah. is mm-hmm. so
0: good. And it just yeah. shows that the framework is so solid. That Tom Hardy can have an individual character decision that we're talking about as a thematic necessity.
2: Which has zero dialogue associated with it. I mean, he, yeah. he, there's no, nobody says anything, but he... That's it's, it's interesting if that came from Tom Hardy. I mean, because yeah. he was he was picking up on something. You know, he knew where this story right. was going and exactly. trusted that it would deliver him to this point where
1: yeah. he would have to leave. It shows you know, the foundation
0: the right... is so solid of this thing. You know, right. that, or, that you can make... Honest character decisions in that framework, and they will resonate metaphorically because the story is solid. Or maybe Tom Hardy
1: was tired that day and he wants <laughs> to leave <laughs> like, early, really and he's like, You know that. what? He's, I don't, he's scared of I heights. He's scared of heights. We find out. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's, he, right. that's right. He's, he's scared, so scared of heights. <laughs> I don't think he would ride up the elevator. I think he'd be gone by now. Right. <laughs> that's Darn. a classic sort of <laughs> yeah, born out of so need, or, you know, personal need of an actor. We did learn that. He's scared of heights. The uh, George Ellisman. But he still did the Paul thing. Yeah. Oh, right. He's still on the Paul Cat. But he said, yeah, I guess, you know, George said, are you going to be okay up there? He's like, yeah, but let's do this fast before uh, <laughs> us. <get> <laughs> let's, let's get it done. Um, I would like to, because there's a uh, back to, let's take it back to uh, Magic Mike only yeah, briefly. Sure. Because um, we talked about how, you know, both of these movies pared it down, you know, pared it down to just this very simple storyline, very simple plot to exhibit, you know, to help tell, you know, other things to tell a different story. Yeah. I would say that Magic Mike takes it actually one step further than Mad Max Fury Road in that it pairs down the story to a very basic story and then essentially removes all stakes and danger yes so that you're just so it so that it totally. is just a it's it is a ride is it you're on rails and you you just wanna and I hear that that comes from you know the comments after the first movie were like hey we love magic Mike but there was all this like drama and stuff in it look we love these guys we just wanna watch them fuck around <laughs> and that's all that like nobody ever you're never worried for any of them? Totally. You are never worried that they're not going to win the thing or they're, that they're liter- not going to get literally There literally
2: aren't stakes. You can't win. There's no winner <laughs> yeah, right. in the competition <laughs> yeah. they're going to. There isn't one, oh, really. Yeah. Right. yeah like, that's right. They're right. just yeah. going to it's just like a celebration. And <laughs> that, that, you're right though cuz so that's, what, that's one guess. of the things I love about that movie is it is so completely it itself. it, yeah. it is it is purely a fantasy entertainment that yeah. doesn't that, that, that doesn't stress you out. It yeah. just gives you exactly what you want, and the fact that it also has, to me, a lot loaded in there to say, yeah, is 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 part of why it's is is brilliant, you know, and and that and he. Look also the surface pleasures of Magic Mike XXL are unbelievable. Like this movie, it's it's one of the best shot movies of the entire year, if if not multiple years. Thanks, it's Steven Soderbergh. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously, yeah, right? It's crazy how beautiful it is, and each set piece. Has the sort of emotional arc designed uh, very much like Mad Max, where it starts and it it builds perfectly and it gets you to a sort of high point where you know all the thematic stuff doesn't necessarily matter, and it functions so perfectly as a as a visual experience, yeah. you know, a fun visual
1: experience. And I witnessed witnessed mm. the same crowd response at both because I saw both opening like opening night yeah, for yeah. both. I was in the theater. And I would argue that the women who were, because I was one of maybe seven dudes um, at yeah. Magic Mike XXL, they were, they, they everybody had gone feral <laughs> to the point where you know we were at the ArcLight, which is one of those theaters where the person comes out and for those of you who've never been to the ArcLight, um, you should come to Los Angeles and go if you like movies. Yeah. But they have a person coming in and announce, hey, you're here to see this. It's going to run this. You know, here's where the exits are. Uh, these people are in the movie. Um, we're going to be off to the side in case there's anything. Um, I should work for the ArcLight. Uh, <laughs> anything you know, pictures and all that. Um, find us and we'll take care of it. Um, enjoy the show. Thank you. And it's sort of this little introduction, mini performance. And he said, you know, usually it's, you know, turn off all, you know, you're this, or, you know, don't be texting during the movie, you know, talking and whispering. And he gets to that part and he goes, uh, look at you guys. I don't have to tell you guys not to, you know, make any extra noise or something like that. You're here for a good time. And one of the women was like, take it off. <laughs> like everybody goes crazy. Like they were, everybody was an, yes. was an animal. Well, and that's, that's what I witnessed also. But not at the beginning of Mad Max Fury Road, but by the end of it. Yeah, that's right. Even I, I I was so, I was enjoying it so much, and I was so caught up and so tense that when you get that first break at the storm, you know, at the end of the storm. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the first break you get. A, it is so clear that it's been charging through and, you know, relentlessly till then but i just started screaming in the theater because i was so yeah. wound up and it was it was that first break i had to let it out somehow yeah yeah i've it seen this amazing. movie with well, with yuri 4 times now and every yeah. time that moment
0: comes i hear yuri go Oh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's a visceral, yeah. every time you have that reaction, I love it. It's, I, yeah, I, and it's so earned. It well, to me. yeah, and,
2: and it really is. Total, it's amazing. And that, I remember that moment in the in the theater too, where people started plaw, uh, uh, clapping. Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to lose this about Magic Mike, though, because I hope people, if they haven't seen it, go see it, because it's really fascinating. And the movie itself is uh, about selflessness, right? It's about right. giving yourself and finding. Deriving meaning and pleasure from other people's gratification and that is the movie does it, it, it you're yeah. exactly right by the end of the movie and, and Look, I'm a heterosexual male. I'm married. I have a kid I
0: waiting for him to I'm say super, that right. No, but, but I don't mean that I don't mean that like a thing. at some point you'd say that But
2: I'm sw- I, like by the end of that sequence the end sequence of the film you're fucking sweaty like it's, <laughs> it's super hot And, oh, it's, yeah. and it's just it, it gets you in this lather and then and then the guys then the, the character the characters in the film are they're like high themselves? They're sort of stoked off of it. <laughs> but I love that that movie does that for itself, and and for it does to an audience what it does for the audience in the movie. Same thing for the audience in the theater, and, and anyway. And then the fact that the main character grows from that, I think, could tell men a lot about how to behave in relationships.
1: Yeah, yeah. And 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 that we all basically want to be Channing Tatum uh, yeah, or sure. fuck Channing. Not, Tatum. not I, would either been. of those works for me. Either Fine. one. I'd, I'd
0: rather be him, but I'd. Fuck
1: yeah
0: right uh, wow that was this good
1: so yeah so guests work let's Guess take works. a sec
0: yeah let's take, let's take a minute here yeah, um, the, what it's what our is? first inaugural guest episode Kaylin, yeah. any feedback on how to make this more of an uh, inviting environment
2: no no Sounds no okay. this was great this is so fun I yeah, mean I, I feel like this could easily 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 go on for another hour or two hours yeah so. we've
0: just been watching the time and we're very conscious to keep this between 45 minutes and an hour so we're at, we're at almost 57 an minutes yeah. and 30 Seven seconds minutes. right now so this came in uh, nicely I think um,
1: I would like to, I'd like to, um, just because of the type of room this is, and because this is a fun room for me, I would like to, um, maybe we should, for, for each of our guests, we should, we should give them a gift on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> of okay. some Of some sort. Yeah. I did, I did this is totally, I, I did not
0: plan this. I did this drawing of Channing Tatum. I, I did this did.
1: drawing of Tan- <laughs> Channing Tatum and Tom Hardy. Yeah. Um, I, I just, a friend of mine gave me, gave me a packet of, um, of Black Hole trading cards. From oh. Disney's the Black Hole. Yes. And can I, I there were I just opened them, they're on my desk. The gum is still there? If you'd like to taste, it. <laughs> exactly. I tasted the gum. He it's one of the it. most disgusting yeah. things uh-huh. I've ever had. It's part of the game. But but I would like I would like you to choose oh, your favorite wow. uh, card from this is fun. from the pack this of. This is a fun
0: uh, thing. I like this. Every episode we come up with a new gimmick that's going to be. Uh, we're going to do every episode. <laughs> we only do them what, and one we only do it the one time. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I don't, so we
1: don't have to come up with any more gifts. It's okay. Oh, by the way, oh, while Kaylin's choosing his
0: card, I want to say that I've just gone back. This is going to be episode I don't know what will air, but doesn't matter. I just went back and listened to episode one. Uh, and I just want to say that some of the comments we got, you guys were right about some of our divergences, and I think that we've gotten much better. And I want to compliment us for, for um, you know, staying on track more or less. Now, uh, right, we're getting to know each other through Mad Max as opposed to in tandem with Mad Max. And Very I've nice. really been enjoying this process. Me too. Me God, too. we love each other. Guys,
2: right. so, love room. so much. Caitlin, I almost, I, I'm debating now between Vanquished and Crew of Humanoids. You can take. but for the purpose of the podcast I'm going to say that I only chose Crew of Humanoids but I'm also taking Vanquish yeah
0: well thank you Caelan Egan co-executive producer of Man the Castle (laughs) for joining us on uh, You Are Awaited at Mad Max available
1: on Amazon Prime
0: yeah check it out
1: totally
2: Uh, any Mm -hmm. final thoughts? No, no, that, that's it. That's good. That's cool. great. I want to come back sometime. I let's talk. It. Let's talk about uh, the general. I would love to come back if you do general.
1: All right,
0: perfect. Okay, when we do the general,
1: you come back and we'll do that. Great. Okay. Uh, well, well, j- just just so you so you know, then, Kalen, you're welcome to come back because <laughs> you are awaited.